All right, welcome back to the program. We're going to begin with a prayer. Mary Grace, do you want to lead us in the prayer? Sure. All right. Uh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for uh, the chance to reflect on everything you've done over this semester throughout the Advent season. Uh, we ask that you would speak to the hearts of the people who are listening to us, and Holy Spirit, would you speak through us, um, enlighten us, and yeah, would this day just be full of joy and your presence. And we thank you for the gift of family. Yeah, we love you. Amen. 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 The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Mary Grace. Appreciate that. All right. So I can't believe we are close to the end of Advent. Only uh, one more day left before it's Christmas, if you can believe it. What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So you're both back from school. Uh, Mary Catherine, you finish well you're you're in your second year at franciscan university which mm -hmm. is awesome and mary grace you're in your is it, you're officially you in your second year or third year at, i just finished technically my second semester at george fox university so i guess my first year is over because okay. i transferred in the middle of last year nice all right well in so we've got a lot to cover i got a lot of kind of interesting questions to dig in with you all I want to hear about your, uh, well, first of all, let's talk about how your Advent is going. Is there anything about Advent that you would consider a highlight this year in terms of either something you did, a, a spiritual practice you took on, or a highlight event that happened for you in this Advent season? Um, <clears throat> I can go first. Well, our family was doing the St. Andrew Novena, which is like a prayer that you do every night, and you say it for 15 times. I don't know that much about it because I forgot to do it. So um, instead, <laughs> I didn't actually do anything. But I like of my advent was I uh, my siblings go to a school where they like do a Christmas concert at this um, really big um, like theater theater downtown Spokane, and it was really nice seeing them all like sing all these um, songs, Christmas songs, um, and all like dressed up and smiling and stuff. It was really nice. Yeah. And yeah. all their friends, because I'm friends with most of their friends, which was, it was fun seeing them as well. That was a really powerful event. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I I actually started crying at the end. Oh, wow. <laughs> Can you believe that? I teared up. Crying, okay. it's not like I broke down in tears, but I, I teared up. And you know why? Why? It was, you had this, uh, you had the, the audience, it was full, mm -hmm. and then you had the stage, which was full, and they had... Uh, alumni from the school, the Oaks, where they go to school, come on up to sing a song uh, that they all, I guess, I guess it's a traditional song that yeah. they all know. Uh, it's about rejoicing in the Lord for Christ is born. And it's in Latin, beautiful song. And they're all singing it. And then they had us all stand and we all sang with them. And all I could think of was, well, what came to mind, not all I could think of, but what came to mind was the joy that God the Father had in his children who were singing to him uh, with a sense of enthusiasm. There was no sense of we're forced to be here, forced to do this. Mm -hmm. It was just God the Father delighting in his children who were delighting in him. And it, it, it brought me such joy it moved me it moved me that much to think that wow god can god takes delight in in the delight that his children take in him mm -hmm. I, I just love that it's amazing yeah i i thought uh mary uh, catherine that you were going to talk about the experience you had oh i forgot about that you forgot all about that I but know. we're going to come back to you okay okay we're going to come back to that uh, to that special event that happened for you this semester at Franciscan University. I'm so confused. So confused. You'll find out in a minute, Mary Grace. But what about you? What's a highlight for your Advent season? I also had a Christmas concert that I went to at George Fox, the university I go to. I actually went twice because I loved it so much. I love music a lot. And they had a choir and a symphony and... Yeah, they're so talented. I also cried. I cry very easily at beautiful things, so it wasn't as big of a deal. But yeah, that was so beautiful. Um, yeah, I've also been praying the St. Andrew Novena, which has been really great. Um, the things that I'm praying for 
have not happened yet, but <laughs> I'm still praying in faith. You're the one that brought it to us because that was never something that we'd ever done before. And mm-hmm. so where did you get that St. Andrew Novena from? I think I saw it on Instagram, to be honest. Uh, I like follow some Catholic accounts and there's like people posting about it. And then in the comments, they're sharing their like testimonies for things that had happened because of it. So, yeah. But I think the thing that I would say has been the most emphasized for me this Advent has been um, like the hiddenness and the smallness of Jesus coming in the incarnation. Um, That's been really powerful. So like at church on Sunday, after I went to mass, I also go to a Protestant church. Um, We're singing all sorts of songs about like Jesus coming down and being really small. And that was really powerful. So that's been for sure, like the highlight of my Advent. Nice. Well, I, I, discovering this hail and blessed be the hour and moment, which the son of God, blah, blah, blah. Uh, There's that beautiful theological insight about in that hour, O Lord, remember us. You know, in that hour, in the very moment of your birth, in that hour when you were born, hear the prayers that we're praying to you 2,000 years later. Mm -hmm. That just that sense of, again, the way in which time, God is outside of time, God is at work in the midst of the moments of our lives today, and had that taken into account 2,000 years ago, just to, to see it embedded in that prayer so clearly was, um, for me, like a powerful surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Mary, Mary Catherine, I'm going to come back to you. So you're at Franciscan University, mm-hmm. and we want to hear more about Franciscan University because uh, yeah, that's where your mom- It's amazing school. It's, it's, it's an amazing school. But uh, uh, let's hear about that amazing event where you called and said, Dad, i got to tell you. So um, the um, Immaculate Conception was like two weeks ago. And it's a holy day of obligation, but I didn't know that. And so me and my friend Jacob were studying and we were like, oh my goodness, we have to go to mass because Franciscan offers five ma- five masses during the day, four, um, 6.30, 8, um, 12, 10, and 4.45. And um, a lot of students go to the 4.45, but we didn't think it'd be too crowded because it was a holy day of obligation. So we were like, oh, people probably want earlier. And so we like started leaving Egan, which is the building we were studying at like 4.30, and we got to um, Christ the King Chapel, which is the place where Mass is held. Um, we got there at like 4.35, 4.40. And there was a, lit- a like line outside of the church, like not even like inside the church, like outside of the doors, outside of like the narthex, like down, like down these like stairs that lead up to the chapel. It was like, we had to like get in line to get into Mass. And then me and Jacob were like the last people inside like the north, like the um, what's the that? Narthex, yeah. Like the narthex of the church, and that was all filled with people standing. And then there was people behind us, like a huge, like probably like seventy-five people out like behind us outside, in like this cold weather to weather to go to mass. And we stood basically the entire mass, and it was like insane seeing how many people were there. Like obviously it was a holy day of obligation. We go to Franciscan, but I didn't realize how many people were going to that mass. It was crazy, but uh, that just again, I find that very moving. Yeah, uh, because well, first of all, at a typical Catholic college, you're not having that kind of oh, participation. No. Yeah, and that if you had gone to earlier masses, well, guess what? They were probably pretty full yeah. too. So I just think that's awesome that you go to a mass. Well, how does that? What does that do for your faith when you go there well, one of and the you things, see so many kids? Yeah. One of the things also is like I saw a bunch of my friends in the crowds as well. And like I would like see them and like wave to them. But obviously I couldn't go up to them because like we were all like crammed together. But that was nice seeing like even like upperclassmen who I knew. Just like seeing all of these people like familiar faces go to mass. Because um, I used to go to a school where like it was like Catholic but not actually Catholic. And, like, all of my friends, like, wouldn't go to Mass. So, it was, like, nice. It's, like, nice, like, going to Franciscan. I always, like, have, like, this, like, random, like, oh, my gosh, these kids are actually Catholic. And, like, seeing them at Mass is, like, weird to me because I usually didn't see my friends at Mass. And so, it's, like, nice being able to, like, know that all my friends 
also take the time because it was like right before finals. So they also take the time like during like a pretty good study time to go to mass um, on this holy day of obligation, which isn't a Sunday, but still. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Do you feel like there's, let's call it a positive peer pressure to oh, yeah. live your Catholic faith? Uh, 100%. <laughs> Well, how does that MC show up? would be one of the kids not at mass. Well, yeah, like the other day I was like, the other day I was like, I should go to confession, and, and then I was like, oh, I don't really want to. And Jacob's like, no, you're going, and I was like, no, I don't want to. And he was like, no, you have to go. And it was, even though like confession started at six thirty, we got there at like seven fifteen, but he made me go even though I knew I had to. I just did not want to, so that was nice. It's like good peer pressure because I knew I had to go. I just like did not want to walk all the way over to the chapel. It's <laughs> <laughs> hard. That, that's a big uh, burden. I know it was a burden. But like, I feel like that's like a good thing though, because it's it's nice to have like the, because um, I don't think it's a bad thing to have like the um, accountability partner. It's like a good thing for people to hold you accountable for stuff like that. And then also like, if you want other people to go to mass with you or like go to confession, you can be like, come on, like come with me. Like now you have to go or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I wish I had that. Yeah. I, have, I go to mass alone. I go to confession alone. I pray the rosary alone. <laughs> like I would, even though all my friends like really love the Lord and they pray, they're not Catholic. So my yeah, whole Catholic, my whole day. Catholic faith is by myself. <laughs> Come to confession. You have to get there like an hour beforehand or at the very, very end. Once they cut off the line, then you jump in. Once That's they, like, so funny. Out. Yeah. What do you mean they kick people out? So there's like, like they run out of time. Pe- people wait in line for like an hour beforehand. And when me and Jacob got there for confession that one time, they cut off the line at like 7 15 it ends at 7 30 because the priest can't be there forever and so they like kick out like half of the line like the back half and they're like sorry they like count with like a ticker or whatever mm-hmm. and then they kick people out and then once the counter leaves like you can see that the line is short and there's like a sign on the chapel that says confessions closed and you just jump in the line that's awesome it's awesome so, <laughs> there's people in line when i go to confession we get people but we cut people out of confession i just go at all sorts of parishes around portland yeah it's really nice seeing a lot of people in line for confession, though. Mm-hmm. Like, every single time. We have confession um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. F- Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday. Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, you could go up to a fire and ask for a confession at any time. But mm-hmm. every – and it's, like, an hour-long confession. People get there, like, an hour beforehand, and the line is filled the whole entire time. And there was, like, ten friars in there doing confessions. And it's, like, all over really? the chat. Yes, it's like these these fires are like two pews away from each other, like all over the entire chapel. They have Wait music. This is typical, or is it yeah. special for Advent? No, every single confession, people got there an hour beforehand. There's the line is filled the entire time. They always cut people off, and they say you have to leave. There's like at least five fires, if not eight to ten, and they're sitting all over the chapel on on the altar in chairs, like everywhere, and they have noise machines playing. And you, like, are standing against the wall of the chapel, like, seeing people in confession. Uh, you can't hear them, obviously, but you have to go face-to-face if you go to Franciscan. So that's one thing that I didn't like in the beginning. But then it's nice because the friars, like, actually, like, talk to you. And, like, one friar said I had a nice smile. So <laughs> he was like, God is so happy you're here. And I was like, okay, no, let me tell you all my sins. <laughs> Wasn't that the uh, the holy saint one? Yes, the priest who levitated one time. Or bilocated both Literally crazy. And he saw angels at the port. Why don't you only go to him? Because you can't. You like you get you just get you, you can, have to go to the next oh, available one. Whoever's next, yeah. Just say you can go in front of me. You can go in front but of me. A lot you of people can, do that actually do to they get really? to certain priests. Yeah. Some people don't like certain certain friars. I'm not gonna say the names, but <laughs> some friars are nicer than others. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd want to go to that that holy one. Yeah. <laughs> every time. Let's just keep 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 waiting. Right? Yeah. And that's so interesting that there's that many confessions at like one of the most Catholic schools in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like it makes you think, wow, how much more do people need confession at yeah. other schools and they're not getting it? That is that that's I don't you've never said that to me before. Well, that, about how a, long the lines are? Well, yeah, how oh. many? How no, I I heard about long lines, but mm-hmm. I just presumed there was like one priest. No, there's like there's at so least five every time. Five to eight priests yes. spread yes. through the chapel yes. several days a week for four times a week for an hour four times a week for an hour and it's always full yes. and they're cutting off lines. Yes. And basically in order to get into confession, you've got to sin. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Once they block off the line, you say, I'm going to deceive everybody and still get in. The- well, the line, uh, 
for I'm just kidding. I know, but the line for Lent before right before Easter, the Easter like Holy Thursday, Good Friday, um, Holy Saturday. Oh, um, there was confession on Wednesday, right before people left. And people were staying on campus also. And they were like, okay, we're going to have confession as long as there is a line. And the line went all the way back to the school buildings, which is like 200 yards, like two football fields. Like the line was four hours. Priests were doing confessions because people wanted to get to confession before the Easter, Easter Triduum. It was Mm -hmm. crazy how long that line was. Like you would walk past the line and be like, oh my gosh, like. People were confessing like the venial sins at this point, <laughs> like because everyone wanted to be able to receive on Holy Saturday. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we're up against a break. When we come back, I've got one more confession story to to ask about, and then uh, we're going to continue on today on this Faith and Family edition with uh, Mary Grace and Mary Catherine, uh, two of my daughters. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Carnum with my daughters, Mary Grace and Mary Catherine. And we're talking about, well, we're checking in, mm-hmm. right? You guys are taking mom's place, doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Love it. Thank you. You're home for your Christmas break, both of you. Um, living away at school these days. Uh, Mary Catherine was talking a bit about being at Franciscan. And I want to hear what happens to you when you miss the opportunity to go to confession and you get on an airplane. Oh, my. <laughs> I'll let you think about that before we before well, we okay. go to Mary Catherine. Well, I want to hear about oh, okay. you, Mary Grace. So, you you just mentioned how inspiring it would be to be at a school where if when you show up for confession, here are all these students in line and all these kids going to confession. Um, what what's been your experience like of going to confession or just living your faith? Um, you're living with um, women that has, have also done missionary work with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, or on the same programs, and then um, you're going to a, a school that's a very conservative Christian school, and mm-hmm. you'll occasionally bump into Catholics. But what's that experience like in terms of living your Catholic faith? Yeah, um, I would say the people I live with and the people I'm in community with who I go to church with, um, they all love the Lord and have relationship with the Lord, but it's not uh, Catholic faith, and they're not against the Catholic Church. Um, we actually, at our church, we say the Apostles' Creed at the end, and we do like a liturgical kind of communion service. I don't receive their communion, um, but they t- pull prayers from uh, the Catholic rite. And um, yeah, they're like curious about the Catholic faith. They know that they can ask me. I have friends who go to Mass with me sometimes. Um, but generally and overall, I kind of live my Catholic faith or do the Catholic activities by myself. I live my Catholic faith in every sphere. Um, but yeah, I have to like, I have to, I pray the rosary by myself or I go to adoration by myself. It's only a mile from my house. So I try to go every day. I just like walk there. Um, or I go to confession really by walk? myself. Yeah. It's only 20 minutes there and back. You can pray rosary. <laughs> um, I like that. It's a rosary away. Yeah. Usually I pray the rosary on the way back because I'm not motivated to pray the rosary till the way back. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. But the Catholic part of my life I do by myself. And sometimes I'm like really sad about it. And I'm like, I wish I had friends who wanted to go to mass with me every week. Or I wish I didn't have to explain, okay, we believe transubstantiation. This is what the rosary is. This is what et cetera, et cetera is. Um, But then I think there's probably Catholic missionaries who had to go to like a village or a jungle by themselves and they were the only Catholic there for a long time. And I'm totally not suffering that much. Um, So I just offer it up. And like, I know that the Lord has me in Newburgh right now for some reason, like I go to George Fox for a reason. Um, And it's been a cool opportunity to get to talk to people about the Catholic faith who otherwise might not have had that chance and who has, eyes have been opened by insights I've been able to bring to them. So that's been cool. Um, yeah, I actually, this Advent, I was talking to my friend Lissy and we were having roommate conflict, not between us, between our other two roommates. And I was like, I'm going to pray the rosary if you want to like sit in here and do, she like wanted to quote unquote, like do Advent with me. Um, so she bought an Advent wreath for our house and she was like doing this prayer book 
And I was like, do you want to pray the rosary with me tonight? And I was like, you can just listen. And I prayed the rosary for specifically for our roommates because we were having trouble. And she just listened while I prayed it out loud. And then the next day we had like a total resolution and peace, um, which was really cool. So that's just like a little testimony. But like I was like, it's because we prayed the rosary. <laughs> I promise. Don't Protestants not have prayers like that? Um, like repetitive prayers? Yeah, because we like St. Michael. They more believe in like spontaneous yeah. prayer. Okay. Right. Or written prayers. Yeah, or they do have. Like, they like do, litany of trust. They do have liturgy. No, they don't really do litany. They don't. Uh, only like maybe some Lutherans and some high Anglicans, mm -hmm. Episcopalians. Oh. Uh, so there, there are a few, but not a lot. Yeah. Like they might know the Lord. They call it the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Not the Our Father. Yeah. But that's basically all they have. Yeah. And Mary Grace, I want to hear about your paper. Uh, mm -hmm. about the presence of Christ. Uh, before I do that, though, I want Mary Catherine to share about the appreciation she's had for the gift of confession and what's at stake in her life. Oh <laughs> Did you okay. get on a plane with a mortal sin? No, no. So before I left in the summer, I just have like this terrible fear that I'm going to die in a plane crash. Like, I swear one of these days it's going to happen. I, I like get like panic attacks flying. Not like intense, but like I'll like grab onto the seat um, like the arm rests next to me and I'll like close my eyes, hold my scapular while we're like landing and stuff. Like I, I cannot do it. And, um, so before I left in the summer, our father Lewis, who's on here a little, like he comes every week. Um, he was coming over to do the radio show with my dad. And I was like, I was going to leave that night, I think, or the next day. And I was like, I need to go to confession before I get on this plane. And so he like gave, he gave me confession or what was it like absolution he, he yeah um in downstairs in our basement or in our basement yeah i did confession with him and then i felt a lot better and Ariana was also fine with me so i felt good but i was getting on the plane or um i was flying back home for christmas and i was like i need to go to confession i need to go to confession i need to go to confession and i just was super busy with finals and i mean i definitely had times i could have gone i just chose not to so that was my fault and I, like, get to the airport, and I'm, like, I just have, like, this feeling that I need to send my friends, like, this text about how much I love them and how they were so good this semester. I was, like, some of these huge texts, and, like, I was, like, what am I doing? And I was, like, I'm just going to send it. Like, what if I die? And then my friend Michael was, like, it's okay, so you're not going to die. And I was, like, okay. And then I was, like, I was going on my phone to, like, shuffle my Christmas music, and my worship playlist started playing, and I was, like, this is it. Like, I, I was, like, so sure I was going to die on this plane. And I'm like walking on and I'm like, okay. Like, you didn't text me. I'm like, well, I, no, so listen, 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 either. listen. I was like, I was like, I'm not going to text my family yet just so I don't like secure the death. Stop. And so I was like, <laughs> I like get on this plane, I get in my seat and I'm like, okay, like maybe I should tell, maybe I should get off. Like, I'll be fine. <laughs> no, listen, guys, it gets, oh my gosh, I can't even, I can't even talk about it. So I'm like on this plane and like we start like taxiing or no, 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 we we're like about to start taxiing and the guy, the pilot comes on the intercom and he's like, we're having some difficulties with the engine. We just need to get a jump started with something. And I look out the window and they're like using this huge machine. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and I'm right by the engine. I'm in the front of the plane, which is the most likely place to die. I was so scared. I'm like shaking at this point. We haven't even started moving yet. And I'm like praying the rosary and we start moving and the song meet your maker comes on and i was like i was like literally about to cry. i was like this is it like i am so so dead i actually didn't tell you this part dad and so i closed my eyes and i was like oh my gosh god just like give me a sign i'm not gonna die i saw something like in my eyes i don't know what it was it was like it looked like a the star from tangled but like it it was like weird like i don't know how to explain like it. the epiphany star yeah i don't know it was weird i just like saw something and i was like okay like here it is. Like, God's trying to give me a sign that, like, I'm going to go to heaven. But I was like, so, no, I, I thought. <laughs> I give me a sign. Yeah. I know. And I was like, Wasn't this that is the sign that you're going to live. That's when I was going to die because he was like, it's okay. You'll be fine. You're going to go to heaven. And so, like, the plane starts, like, going down the taxiway. And I was, like, about to jump out of my seat and yell, like, to the flight attendants, like, we need to stop this plane. Like, this close, MG. Like, my fingers are, like, a centimeter apart, everyone. Like, so, so close. I, like, I'm sitting by the window. And so, like, I looked down my aisle and there was, like, this, like, lady who's, like, mom's age. And then, like, a guy who's, like, on his iPad. And I was, like, they, like, look at me because I'm, like, looking down the aisle, like, panicked on my face. 
and the lady's like, are you okay? And I start like crying and I'm like, I need you to pray with me. We are gonna die. Like I just say that and start crying. And she's like, oh, it's okay. And then she's like, you can hold my hand. And I was like, oh my gosh. I thought like literally thought I was gonna die. It was awful. Then she started praying with me. And then I was like, you're not, you're not praying good enough. Like she was like, dear Jesus, like we're going to take off state. Like her prayer was awful. I was like, who are you? And I was like, I'm going to start praying. And I was like, put your holy mantle of protection over this plane and like all this stuff. I was like, whatever. And then I was like, I need you to talk to me. Like I was like, I need you to talk to me. Cause I was like shaking uncontrollably. And she started me show, like, showing me pictures on her phone and stuff of her kids. And then she was like, you can watch movies on your phone and like tried to show me. And I was like, I was like, you are not helpful at all, like, this lady. But she lives in Colorado on, like, 7,000 acres, and her house was really cool. Actually, she showed me some photos, but I made it safely. I, and then I went to confession. So you didn't die on the No, okay. I did not Good. die. When did you realize you were going to be okay? No, like, right when we landed. I was like, okay, I'm fine. Like, she, we, like, stopped. Like, we um started going on, like, um normal like uh yeah, when you got cruising comfortable altitude. cruising altitude she's like okay you're fine now and i was like no this is when i let my guard down <laughs> i was like this is when i let my guard i was so scared is this last week yes i like got off <laughs> that plane and i was like now i have to get on another one i was like terrified like i didn't even do that bad of a sin but like it was immortals and i was like this is it i was so scared <laughs> but yeah oh and i was about to text the family but then i was like i'll have no service so yeah, you going made to confession. Yeah, and then, and then you ended up going to confession shortly after 6.30 that. 6.30 in the morning. The next couple of days later. Yeah, you got up early and went Ugh. to confession. I loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. See, see what happens? You get fostered in you at Franciscan. Mm-hmm. But you got to learn trust. You got to trust in the Lord. Well, it's, 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 it's what was it? God's it's, mercy or God's justice. Me and my friend, one time, one night, I had like a terrible feeling about like God's justice being overpowering his mercy. And I was like, it was like two in the morning. And I was like, I was like, I cannot do this by myself. And I like called my friend Jacob and I'm like, I need to talk to you. And he was like, okay, come down to Jay Sarah. And we like talked for like an hour about that. And he was telling me about St. Therese and how she has the, she like gave her life to God's mercy because her like mentor gave her life to God's justice. Is that true? Something like that? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Well, yeah. So he was like t- trying to calm me down. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Did it work? Sort of. Mercy yeah. triumphs over justice. Yes. Amen. Wow, Mary, Mary Catherine, that's really, that's quite a story. I know. When I was leaving to Spokane, because I was trying to come here two days ago, I was driving and then I had to turn around and end up flying because the roads were too dangerous. And I turned around and I went to confession and I went to mass and I had the same feeling. I was like, am I going to get in the car and die on my way to Spokane? And I was like, God, give me a sign (laughs) that I'm not going to, that I shouldn't go because if I don't go or if I... I was like, I think if I go, then I'm going to get in a car crash and I'm going to die. And I was like, it's a good thing I'm at confession and going to mass right before. <laughs> and I, I was like, like, should I message everyone and say like, no, literally, I had the same it's thought, terrible. but then I ended up flying and I was okay. I would rather drive. I hate flying. All I used right. to be scared of flying, but I'm not anymore. Yeah. I will pray for you. I will take that on Mary Catherine. I'll yeah. take on you your You just got to load up okay. with the rosary, the scapula, St. Joseph, Holy Oil, hand, Divine Mercy and card. And I was holding my scapula and my rosary and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like I was waiting for that. Oh, it was awful. All right. So today on the program, <laughs> we're talking about, see what happens in, in your life of faith. You oh. have to trust in the Lord when things are out of your control. No. Right? I just he will get you safely home. No. Uh, wait. Home. When I was saying my prayer, I was like, like out loud, I was like, "Dear Jesus, like get me home safely." And I was like, "My home in Spokane." <laughs> I had to clarify it. <laughs> Not home in heaven, Lord. No, you get to heaven, and he's crossing his arms, and he's like, "I said I'd get you home." You said home. I you said, said that, home. and I was like, "Crap, I messed up." Oh, that is funny. <laughs> All right, so take a deep. Breath. Let's come back around. Let's talk about God's presence in this world. Um, I want to hear about your classes, um, Mary Grace. You've had some very interesting papers. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want to talk a little bit about any highlights you've had in terms of some of your studies. And uh, and in particular, I know there was that one paper. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, I'm an English major. So I read a lot of books and write a lot of papers. And in my world literature class, uh, one of our final assignments was a thesis seeking essay where we had to come up with a question 
and attempt to answer it by the end of the paper using a couple of the course texts and also using stories from our own life. And it was kind of like, ask a question, try to answer it, don't be afraid to uh, ask complex things or not be certain about the answer. So uh, we had read in the class, we read some poems by St. Ephraim the Syrian who wrote about God's hiddenness on earth and his, uh, he had like a sacramental worldview. He's an Orthodox saint, um, but he has a sacramental worldview where he believes that uh, there's the potential for God to be present in everything. And he wrote a lot about uh, God's hiddenness, especially in the incarnation. Um, And then we also read the story of uh, the venerable Mary of Egypt, who is also an Orthodox saint. And the Catholics, I think they honor her as a saint as well, but she's lesser known. And she kind of has a crazy story about, uh, she was like a prostitute and a sinner for most of her life, really severely. And then she had a crazy conversion experience after which she spent 47 years fasting in the desert. And after 47 years, she met this monk And upon running into him, she said, I need you to bring me communion. And he brought her communion. And right after she received communion, she died and went to heaven. And so those are the two course texts I used for my paper. So I kind of touched on that and some other like cute stories from being a kid and overall realizing, okay, God actually is present in the host. Um, And then I also told a story about how this Advent, I had a really profound experience receiving communion, after which I was praying and everyone in in mass like sprinted out of the church. I'm sure if you're listening, you've been there before where right after mass, uh, unless you go to Franciscan or a place where people really love the Lord, um, after right after the priest walks out, everyone just kind of like jumps out of their seats and tries to get out as fast as possible. And it's like, did the communion even affect you? Like, do you guys realize that you just consumed God? Um, And there's just kind of a lack of reverence. And after I went to mass, I went to my Protestant church where they do a communion service where it isn't transubstantiation, but they receive it as if it is. And people are crying and people are having these profound experiences. Oh my gosh. I received communion today and it was so great. And I just don't really say anything because I don't want to be like, no, you didn't because that's not, that's not a priest. It's not transubstantiation. Um, But I just say that's so great that you got to have that moment with God, um, even though it was just actually bread and wine. Um, So I was thinking that's so interesting that there is a potential for people to actually receive God in the Eucharist and not be affected by it at all. And then there's the potential for people to receive not actually the presence of God in the Eucharist, but in another way. And because their hearts are open to receive him, they're actually more affected by the Eucharist. Um, And so uh, I tied in the text with that. And by the end of the paper, I concluded that for someone who doesn't see God present in something and they're not, and it's not the Eucharist, they're not really affected at all, And for someone who receives um, something that isn't God, but they are open to it, or they they perceive God in it. So I see the sunset and I see God's beauty, but that actually isn't the Eucharist. I can be greatly affected by that. Or a Protestant receiving their quote-unquote communion, they can be greatly affected by that. Um, And then for someone who receives the actual Eucharist, but doesn't, isn't open to God, isn't willing to receive him, The communion actually does affect them because of the substance and God is more powerful than our weakness or inability to receive him. Um, But if they're not open to it, they're not as affected. And then the ultimate best option or situation is someone who is completely open to receiving the Lord and they receive it in communion. That's where God can be the most at work. So that's why Mary of Egypt, the girl who was in the desert, she died right after receiving communion because she was just so ready to receive him. Um, So... Yeah, that was like what my paper was about. And I felt really good about it by the end. Yeah. Yeah, it was an awesome paper. You sent it to me to read through and it was very powerful. 
And it, it actually points to a very important reality in our lives of faith. And that is that the Lord offers us so many amazing gifts, but we have to be in the right disposition to receive what he's ready to give. And in fact, the very right disposition is also a gift from God, which is a, a real mystery that God gives us the grace to re to be receptive to the graces that he intends to communicate. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I The uh, analogy I use is, is that it's like you're playing catch with a baseball, but God, Jesus doesn't just throw you the ball. He throws you the glove mm -hmm. and the ball's in it. So he gives <laughs> you the ability to catch the ball that he's about to throw or in the act of throwing it, he gives you the glove to catch it. And an arm. <laughs> and an arm to be able to receive it. Yeah, that's right. So uh, great story, Mary Grace. Um, so here we are. You guys are at school. Uh, you you come home. Mm -hmm. um, what have you noticed now that you've been home at Christmas time here? You've been away from your family for months um, and you're back home. Uh, do you notice anything different about your siblings, about your, yeah. your brothers and your sisters? Yeah. What have you noticed? That I miss Ariana. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where is Ariana for those who are listening? <clears throat> She's on the world race. She, MG, MG did it, so she could probably explain MG it is me. Mary Grace, the one across yeah. from you. That's right. Mary Grace, what is Ariana going through right now? She's on a gap year mission year abroad. So she's in Guatemala with a team of about 40 people. They're doing ministry, living together. They're about to go to Romania. They're going to go to Africa. She'll be back in June, but she is living on mission. She can't come home for December. Yeah, no. she doesn't get to come home at Christmas time. And so that's a bit of a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But I, it feels like she's been in more communication with us than you were four years ago, Mary Grace. Maybe. Maybe. maybe I think the like Wi-Fi's improved. But What's like, it? I didn't have, I don't think I had a phone on MG1. Yeah. So. I was and, happy to just live my life. I didn't really feel the need to call that often. Yeah. That's just not my disposition. Like, I don't call my friends super mm -hmm. often who live across the country. And I just know that when I see them, we're going to be right on the same page. That's how I felt. <laughs> Do you, uh, have you, the two of you, either of you noticed um, a, a difference in terms of her life of faith as a result of even just being four months in? Yeah, 100%. Yeah? Yeah. Well, she'll tell me all these like Jesus stories that happened to her or like her friends or like she's not like afraid to talk about it. Also, not not that she was necessarily like afraid. More more hes hesitant is a better word for lack of term for lack of better word. Um, but now she like tells me all these like cool stories and stuff, and she's like, yeah, it's super nice to be able to like do worship and like stuff like that. I don't I don't really know how to explain it. Erin is kind of I don't know. Mm -hmm. What about you, Mary Grace? Have you uh, had any different... Like, I've noticed it in my conversations, other things that she'll text me. Mm -hmm. She's told some cool stories that I know she wouldn't be open to even sharing before. Um, I think there's something cool that happens when you go live with other people and you're not with your family. You can experience more freedom or just like ability to fully be yourself. Um, so I've noticed that. A little bit um i think like her personality hasn't changed and she's still really strong morally like she was before um so i think a lot of the change that happens is small and you don't realize it until you come back to the states and you realize the way that you react to certain situations or the way that you operate in relationships is different um so i don't think when I'm on the phone with her, I'm not like, oh my gosh, Ariana's a totally different person. I think the change is smaller and it's easy to think that it seems different because she's in such a unique situation. Mm -hmm. so, so here we are, we're at this, uh, there's, there's, uh, I know there are a lot of folks listening who have um, kids who are discerning, what do I do next after high school? And so we've got a few options like being lived out right in front of us. So we have the world race, which is that take a year after high school, like a gap year, and spend it doing missionary work. Uh, you went off to Franciscan University, mm -hmm. Mary Catherine, and mm -hmm. now you're at a, which is a very, again, devout Catholic school, 
uh, very active. And Mary Grace, you're in a situation where you're living with women of faith, but you're at a, uh, a conservative Christian school, not Catholic. Um, mm -hmm. I'd love to get a sense of what would be some of the blessings or gifts uh, if you're listening to like, you know, it could be mm -hmm. here's John Mark. He's a junior. Yeah. You know, your younger brother and, and Ariana, she's going to mm -hmm. be looking at school next year. Well, Ariana got accepted to Franciscan. She did, which we're very excited about. Mm -hmm. So if you're making a case of parents are wondering mm -hmm. why would, why would Franciscan be a good choice for my kids to go to college uh, after high school? Well, the, one of the main things that drew me in was, uh, the Austria program. Uh, it's not my main thing now, but um, basically one semester, you have the opportunity to study abroad in our um, college campus in Austria. We have like this really pretty building. You could just like look it up on YouTube, like Franciscan Austria um, semester, and there's like a whole video on it. It's really cool. But you go there for um, a semester and you get like a 10 day and you go to Rome and actually, this past semester, um, Franciscan students got to meet the Pope and, like, touch him and stuff. It was really cool. But um, that was one of the main reasons that drew me in was the Austria program. And then when I got there, it was, like, I always talk about this. It's crazy to see, like, kids my age who are, like, actually Catholic, like, with me. Like, it still blows my mind. I go to Mass and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, like I saw you. Like, it's so weird. Um, but people is definitely one of the main things. Alaska's just our dog is outside of the door. Sorry. Um, the people, um, like being able to support you and like Dad said earlier, um, be a sort of positive peer pressure to help you grow in your faith and just like someone to talk to about it and like questions you have, like I did. And also the opportunity to go to confession and mass every day, multiple times a day, which is super cool. Like. And it wouldn't be the first thing in mind no, a it wouldn't at be. a typical college period yeah. or even a typical Catholic college yeah. is that, the, let's call it the natural momentum, sort of mm -hmm. the downhill momentum to say, you can go to mass, it's right in front of yeah. you, and so many kids are pouring in. Or perpetual adoration. Like the other day I was like, I want to go to adoration. I just went to the port, which is like... The Portsumcola. Port, yeah. It's like our perpetual adoration chapel. It's like very small. It has like four rows. It's super cool, though, and there's also a Mary Grotto behind it. But um, just, like, having that as, like, and, like, it's always open to you. It's really nice to have, um, especially when you're, like, our age, when, like, most kids our age do, like, basically the opposite of we're doing what we're doing or something along the lines of that. It's nice to know that we go to a school where, like, so many people are praying for us. We have fires on campus, and, like, everyone there is, mostly everyone there is for the same reason of, like, growing closer to God with each other. So that's super cool. Well, and when I think about it as a parent, the idea that, that that's the environment I'm sending my kids to, it's very, very encouraging to me mm -hmm. that that's something I'm willing to invest in. It's not just the education, but it's a formation for living life. Well, we're up against a break. When we come back, we'll have more conversation with Mary Grace and Mary Catherine. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you all. If you're enjoying this, I do encourage you to go to the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. You can register, uh, sign up for that on Apple Podcasts. So just go to mycatholicfaith.org. You also have the ability to get in touch with me there as well as get free downloads of resources. That's uh, digital books, digital video, audio, all of that for the uh, stunning price of free. Yes, that's right. So I'd love for you to go and... Um, uh, subscribe to the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. All right, so I'm here with Mary Catherine and Mary Grace. Mary Catherine's a sophomore at Franciscan University. Mary Grace is at George Fox University, and they're back home for Christmas and on this Faith and Family Friday, just talking with them about their experience. So in addition to the spirit and atmosphere at Franciscan University, Mary Catherine, there's also the classes. Mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the key things is really trusting in the professors and in the content that you're going to get. Uh, when you think about your time there, is there a favorite class that you've had recently? Yeah. And uh, tell us about it. So um, actually, last spring, I changed my major to education. Um, I'm now an early education, dual special education major instead of business, which is 
so much better. I actually am passionate about it. So um, last semester, I took a few classes pertaining to it. I had to finish up my core classes, which is like philosophy and um, English and like catechism of the Catholic Church or not catechism, <laughs> uh, like stuff about that. Those like core classes you have to take at Franciscan. And so this year I got to dive more deeper into like my major. And I took this one class called Early Experience and I get to go to a school in Steubenville twice a week for three hours and I get to be like a teacher's aide basically. I get to like grade papers, talk to the kids and I get to teach a few lesson plans throughout the semester. And this year I got assigned to a third grade class at McKinley STEM in Ohio. And um, it was like my favorite class. I, I guess technically it was a class because it was credits, but it was like fun for me. Like I got to go every Monday, Wednesday from nine to 12. And these kids were like so funny, these third graders. I was so nervous going to see them for the first time though. I don't know why they're like so young. They're Liliana's age, my little sister. But I walk in and they were all like giving me hugs and stuff. And they called me Miss Mary. And it was like so cool to see all these kids. I just loved them. But these some of these kids are like feisty. They would be gossiping about each other like in front of each other. And they'd be like, wasn't it exciting to go to your birthday party? Like, oh, you weren't invited to like these girls. I was like, well, who are you guys? You're third graders. Um, but it was really nice to be able to like see what it would be like if I was a teacher or when I'm going to be a teacher. And one of my friends actually got assigned to a preschool class. And I was like, oh, you're so lucky you get to teach preschoolers. They're so cute. But then when I got to my third grade class, it was so much better than preschool because you can actually have conversations with these kids. And they are, they actually understand what you're saying or preschoolers would just like sit there and like smile and stuff. I don't know, but that was definitely my favorite class. It was super cool. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I think you'd probably do much better in a class where you're engaging with them yeah. rather than sitting in, like taking in content mm -hmm. in lecture style. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Mary Grace? Do you have a story about uh, any of the courses you had at George Fox? I thought of something where I got to help teach. I took this math class last semester and I really enjoyed it. It was about logic and critical thinking and uh, like the golden ratio and things like that. And the teacher of that class contacted me a few weeks into this semester and said, one of my TAs, like teaching assistants dropped out of school and would you want to work as a TA for this math class? And even though I'm an English major, um, I really love math. And it was honestly, I said yes. And it was a great break from just writing papers and reading books. And I got to tutor kids in math, which was so fun. Oh, and MC. It was funny. Mary Catherine was doing the same math. So I did a Zoom call with her and I explained truth tables to her. Um, but one day the teacher of the class was gone he was at a pickleball tournament over the weekend, and he asked me if I could sub for his class. So I taught a college math class, and it was so great. The kids were super responsive, and yeah, it was really rewarding getting to see them uh, like understand something or like when it clicked in their minds after I explained it to them. That's really satisfying, and yeah, I'm really glad I got to do that. So yeah, that's my story. <laughs> that's awesome. It actually makes me think of one of the activities that uh, we were discussing in our home, now that you all are home, uh, finding things to do that are meaningful and important and not just enjoyable and uh, satisfying, if you will, mm -hmm. is uh, going through a process of um, envisioning and, and uh, trying to cast a sense of future life goals. Mm -hmm. um, and. There have been several conversations I've had in the last few days um, with parents who have um, kids your age, so young adults, mm -hmm. right? So 18 to 23, 25. And there are a number of instances where these young people don't really have a clear vision for their lives and haven't been able to concretize, um, let's call them like meaningful goals. Yeah for their lives. And it made me realize the preciousness of the time that I have with you all here during this break, because you're now out of the house. 
you know, whether I, you know, whether I'm, it's dawned on me sufficiently or not. I mean, Mary Grace, you've lived out of the house for years now. Yeah. Four years. Four years. <laughs> uh, but Mary Catherine, just being away for college, you're still out of the house mm -hmm. more than you're in the house. And so the time that I have to, to really help shape and mold your approach to life, it's, it's shifted. Mm -hmm. And so um, to, whether it's going to be today or tomorrow, we're going to take some time and do some envisioning for what, what it, what's a sense of a vision of your future. Where do you want to be in five years, 10 years? How do you envision your life? What are some goals associated with that? Mary Grace, you talked about writing a mission statement for your life. And then trying to map out some of the strategic things to do to set yourself up so that you have a sense of direction. I think that it's a, it's, it, I don't know if it's more common nowadays. Days you hear about people say failure to launch, where there's just a lot of young people today who are trying to figure stuff out and end up back in their parents' homes. Um, I don't. I don't really. I haven't done a lot of research into is this the way it always is, or is it a, a phenomenon that's more common today? But really, for me, that's really secondary to the fact that. I'm not responsible for everybody's kids, but I am responsible for you. I have a stewardship. And if the Lord's given me a gift to be able to help facilitate some of that kind of visionary thinking, I want to make sure that I do that. So um, I'm excited to, to, to see uh, what's it going to be like when we get together and have that conversation um, and get a sense of, well, what do you see for yourself in, in five years or 10 years? What do you, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Are you asking? Here's me. Yeah. I want to be a mom and a writer. That's what I tell people when they ask me what I want to do. Nice. Cool. Yeah, that's truly what I want to do. And I want to be a saint. Okay. <laughs> and, and I want to be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> a trophy wife. Well, if you say you want to be a mom, that means you also want to be a wife. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So the guy, hey, look, I'm just looking for someone to help me be a mom here. Oh, I, want to, I want to be married. You want to be married? Yeah. There's a lot of guys there. Every time I'm at, I'm at mass, I'm like, hmm, which one of you guys? <laughs> okay, when you're thinking about that, though, what's the uh, what's the typical wisdom that you hear? Don't th When you look at a guy, don't just look at them and say, will they be a good husband? Will they be a good father? Will they be a good father? Yeah. Will they be a good father for your kids? Mm -hmm. it, I always think of that. Do you really? Well, yeah, like people will be like, what are the, what are the main qualities you want in your husband? And they're like, funny, rich. Um, good looking, and Mine I'm like, are provider, leader, protector, provider, protector, provider. humility, I and say, kindness. I say that every time. Um, and humility, and also generosity. Like I always say, those like five things. Mm -hmm. And my, I, I remember mom used to always be like, "Your husband's gonna be after your dad," and I'm always like, "No." But then like I look at dad, and I'm like, "Oh wow, like I gotta have someone like that." Bless my kids. <laughs> Bless my kids. Bad. <laughs> bad. So yeah. Nice. And you, Mary Grace? What about me? Uh, I don't know. The, what, what are the qualities that you look for in your husband? Actually, we're actually same. The same thing. Same Provider, thing. protector, humility, and kindness. I have those written down. Nice. Well, that's, that's great. Well, then hopefully something that's because the other one I say is lead. You need some leader. Leader, leader provide, provider, protect. Yeah. Lead, provide, yeah. and protect. And humility and generosity. Those are really important. And hilarity. Yes. Don't take yourself too seriously. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. All right. We are at the end of our program. Thank you, ladies, mm -hmm. for walking with you through the Thank program. You. All right. God bless you guys. Join me on Monday with Father Lewis and Merry Christmas.